good? Guys, can you hear me? Yeah? All right. Welcome to our midweek study. We're going to continue going through the gospel, Uncle Mitch. And uh, glad to have everyone here. Thank you, Austin, for awesome worship. Bro, you should have just kept going. That would have been good. Yeah? That would have been good. We need one more of that. Okay. Well, Lord, oh, and if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back because that's what we're going to be reading tonight. So if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand and somebody will get you a Bible. Everybody has their Bible. Okay. Huh? We're going to be in Mark. We're going to be in the book of Mark. If you, if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 6. Mark 6? You there? Yeah. Everyone? Yeah. Amen? Sweet. Let's get this rolling. Well, Lord, we thank you for this night, God, and uh, we pray that you would just um, speak directly to us. Um, please, in a very unique and powerful way, would you meet us here tonight, Lord Jesus, and have your way with us, Lord. We thank you for that beautiful time uh, of worship uh, to just really uh, center our hearts around you, and it's all about you. So uh, pray, Lord, that every woman and man here would be blessed tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I was, I, I was really, really, if you weren't here, I was really encouraged by Josh's message last week, um, like really encouraged. Like I came up to him and I was like, hey, this really spoke to me like crazy. Um, I don't know if that happens to you. I don't think it's he said a few things, but there were things that were sticking out. I think I shared that with him that night. And so if you weren't here, um, we have a podcast. Guys, it's on podcast app, and you can go back, and you can listen uh, to all the previous sermons. Um, it's up to you. A- and so the story that he went into uh, was a previous story. It was about a woman uh, who bled for 12 years. Remember this? Were you here? Right? So a woman who bled for 12 years, uh, but it wasn't just about her. She kind of just fell into the mix of things. You see, Jesus was actually on his way to heal a man's daughter. And this man's daughter, or this man's name, uh, was Jairus. He was an official of the synagogue. It says he was a well-known religious leader of this day. Now, these two people have very, very different lives. And yet... Because of life's circumstances, it led them to the same person, right? Both Jairus, and we know for sure this woman, as it says, she spent all of her money on doctors and doctors and doctors and could not be healed, um, exhausted all of their options with no other option but to seek after Jesus. Now, I know some of us here... uh, have been through some maybe traumatizing times um, or traumatizing things. And and what I'm not trying to do is be insensitive to what you went through. And so whatever you went through, you take all the time that you need to heal. But what I am trying to say is that we all generally, at various degrees, have been in a place of desperation. 
all of us. And it's usually in this place where I find myself to do what I do more intently, right? So it's in this place where I find myself to do what I do more intently. When I read my Bible at zero dark 30, right? When I'm praying to the Lord, when I sing worship, there seems to be more of a heart to heart with Jesus. There's a closeness and an honesty before the Lord. And guys, this is always, always, always a good thing because this is what intimacy looks like. And so often we associate the word intimacy with romance. I forgot who said this, but intimacy is just into me see. Intimacy. Intimacy with Jesus is, here's my heart, all of it. That's it. Now, I was very, very encouraged by last week's message because... What Jairus and this woman demonstrated was not some kind of passive, I believe in Jesus, but their situation pushed them towards a type of faith, faith that moved their feet. You see what I'm saying? The faith that they had in Jesus led them towards Jesus, right? Like it wasn't just a good idea to go see him. No, I'm going to go see him. Right, like I got some stuff going on right now in my life. If I could just be where he's going to be next. Like that's what she said. Gosh, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Like this is the type of believing in Jesus that isn't just talked about, but it moves our entire bodies. Like it, it's not a passive belief, but it's an active one. And it moves the heart and soul in a way to be where he is. God, I just want to be where you are. And so the reason why we come here is not to hear me speak, right? It's not to hear Josh speak or it's not to hear Pastor Steve speak. The reason why we come here is to meet with Jesus. Right? The reason why we sing worship is we sing worship to Jesus. Right? The reason why we read the Word of God is to meet with Jesus. But if we only see this place as part of the routine, and this is what we do on Wednesdays, where we sing three songs and we read this ancient book, that will, that's what it's going to be forever. Like That's what it will ever be. It's never going to change. See, the greatest miracle this day wasn't just the healing of this woman or, or Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead, although that's incredible. The most amazing moment in this story is Jairus and the meeting, uh, Jairus and this woman meeting the only person that could. Like this is the same Jesus that's here with us today. Like you and I don't have to fight through crowds or guess where he's going to be next. He makes himself available to us now. Like God's presence is here now. And, and not just here, everywhere you go. That's why he gives us his spirit. And this is why the psalmist says things like, a day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. Like how lovely are your dwelling places, O God. Like that's saying how beautiful it is to be where God is. 
And so lots of people were following Jesus around. There were many people bumping into Jesus on this day and yet only recognized the touch of this woman? Like what's the difference between her touch and the crowds? Nothing is different. Gosh, could it be that God is not after what you think he's after? Like could it be that all that God wants from you is you? But God is not as concerned as you think he is about our religious to-do list. Like, I need to read my Bible. Gosh, I need to pray. He is not as concerned with those things than he is with you. And I say this, what God wants most from you is you. What God wants most from you is you. That's it. And man, there are times where my wife and I go out and do things, but most days, like, I, I just want to, I just want to be with her. I don't know if that's about, like, I love my wife. Like, I love my wife. It's those times where we just sit with each other and just not do anything. Just talking and being present. Why? Because it's much easier to hear her that way. Oftentimes, it's wired in us to just come, clock in, do our thing, and clock out, and that's what spending time is. That's what we call the Martha syndrome. Like, like this is what it looks like to try to get all these things done, getting, doing all these things, but nothing is really getting done. Like, there is no internal work happening. And yet, this is why Jesus says, Mary chose the better thing. She chose to sit with me. Like, she chose to be with me, and there is nothing more important than this. And so as Josh spoke last week, that's what the Lord encouraged me with. Jairus and this woman, in their hopeless situation, pushed them to exercise a faith that intently and actively seeks after Jesus. And it's in this place of heart-driven, I want to be where you are, Lord. Like, I want to see you. Like, I need you. Like, I want to know you is where God graciously and always welcomes us in. Amen? Amen. Now, this story um, actually takes a turn. Uh, it takes a turn of people showing genuine faith to no faith. It's, about, it's not about how much faith we have, uh, but if we have any at all. And Jesus says, even if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you heard that, the faith the size of a mustard seed, gosh, I can work with that. Like, I can work with that. It's never been about how much faith you have, but even if you have just the smallest amount, because you're going to see throughout the gospel, that Jesus is more concerned uh, about the quality than quantity. People, faith, it's the same. It's always better to have a little bit of something than a whole lot of nothing. And, and so what we're going to do, we're going to begin in Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. Now, Jesus didn't return back to Capernaum, but he came back to Nazareth. Now, lots of sources state that Nazareth was a very small town, and if that's the case, then 
everybody knew everybody. I think we just talked about that earlier at, at the bakery. Everybody in Kilauea knows everybody in Kilauea. And so sources state that this place was a very small town, so everybody must have knew everybody. It's probably a little different today, right, depending on where we live, but it's really easy for me to kind of create an environment where I rarely need to ever leave my house. And so therefore, I'm always missing and never meeting the ones closest to me, which would be my neighbors in Wailua. Like, I, I don't think I, I don't even know them. Yeah, it's just that way. And so pray for me. Um, Nazareth wasn't only known for its size, but it was also known for its reputation, right? So the saying goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? We can thank Philip for his kind words, and he was one of the 12, right? So be encouraged, we're not that far behind. Um, verse 2 to 3 says this, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what is this wi uh, wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Now, this isn't the first time that Jesus came to visit Nazareth. Last time he came to visit, his people wanted to throw him off a cliff. All right? it, says, um, it says they were filled with rage, so filled with rage, because he called them out on their unbelief. All right? And just like in the Old Testament, God's goodness and grace was shown towards Gentiles. If you ain't going to receive me, then other people will. It's the same setting here where Jesus is in the synagogue and he read in Isaiah, which said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And now, since that time, since then, some time has passed by. So reports, really, about Jesus' ministry wasn't some small thing. All of his teachings and the casting out of demons and the healing of the sick, it's the talk of the town. The evidence is there, and yet, it says in verse 3, his people took offense at him. Now, this word means they stumbled over him. They tripped themselves up. Why? You see, what they did was what they did before. They associated Jesus with his family. Like, this is the same thing that happened last time, that it was easier for them to believe that he was the son of Joseph or the son of Mary than to believe that he was the son of God. Like, we know him. Like, we know this guy. We know who he is. We know his brothers. His sisters are standing right here. Like, wasn't this the one Mary was pregnant with before she married Joseph? And so calling Jesus the son of Mary in this time, in this culture, wasn't a good thing. It was actually them trying to shame him. This is what they were doing. And the reason why I say this is because it's so easy for people looking in 
to associate the church with what we hear and the people we see fall. I'm going to say that one more time. It's so easy for people looking in to associate the church with what we hear and the people we see fall. And what this does is that it gives us a reason to not believe. Right? So to find faults in others and say, this is who Jesus is, is bananas. And gosh, I love my dad, but he does this all the time. Like all the time. Like he says, son, did you know the church is full of hypocrites and liars? Like that's it? Like please don't come any closer then, right? Like if that's all you see, praise God. Like you come any closer, you might see more than that. Like you spend some time with me, you'll find some faults. But this is the only place that I can say that I'm not there yet, but I'm in the process. Like this is the only place that I can say that I'm not there yet, but I'm in the process. Jesus says it. It's not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Right? Like, Dad, I hate to break it to you, but the church is made up of all kinds of crazies. <laughs> and Jesus is the one who's cleaning us up. Amen? Second thing, verse 4 says, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. He's saying, because you are so familiar with me that you know me and you know my family and even my occupation, it's hard for you to receive me and to receive my word. So there is a right way and a wrong way to know Jesus. And what happens over time is things can start to become so familiar, so routine, instead of listening to the message, we start to critique the preacher. Like, instead of a readiness to learn, coming in here with a readiness to learn, we can check out because we went through this passage already. Like, I've had this conversation before. Like, there is a type of awe and wonder that slowly fades because of this. And the routine and familiarity is what Jesus calls us out of. We come here to meet with Jesus. And if you come here to see me and hear from me, you'll get bored of me. That's the truth. And over time, you realize I'm saying the same things over and over and over again. That's because I am. And so in all that you do, whether you read and pray and worship, ask the Lord to stir up your affections in a new way. Like, help me to see more of your beauty and grace today. This is why Paul, Paul says things like, so you may know what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know God's love, Christ's love, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Like you want the fullness of God is to know Christ. And it's on layers upon layers upon layers of knowing how much Jesus really loves you. I, I, I like this because I drive by Kealia all the time and it was something to see when I first got to Kauai. Now it just catches the side of my face unless there's waves. Like, things get old. Like, things get familiar. It's the same thing when I'm driving to Hanalei. Man, but if you could just, I'm house-sitting right now, but if you could just see the view at Princeville Stables 
the view of Hanalei, like you think we're on a different island. Like that's amazing. This is why I'm saying it's so crucial for us to have intimacy with Jesus. Daily we are to choose the better thing, to meet with him, to sit with him, to be with him. And I'm thankful he's not like me, that he doesn't ever get tired of me. Amen? Verse 5 and 6 says, And he could do no miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. And he's going around the villages teaching. It's not that Jesus wasn't able to perform any miracles, but he chose not to. And yet, despite his people trying to push him off of a cliff last visit, he did not give up pursuing them. This is an example of God's grace towards us and how God will continually work with us and in us because he who began a good work in you will perfect it or complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, so now we're heading into another section. Um, The time has come uh, where following Jesus is not only watching and learning, but also doing. So everything that you've seen me do is what you're going to be doing. And I'm going to send you out so we can kind of cover some ground. All right, so verse 7 to 9 says, And he summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And he instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals, but to wear sandals, and he added, do not put on two tunics. And so Jesus brings in the crew for debriefing, right? I'm going to send you out in pairs, and here are your instructions. He tells them to take only what you own and no more. Now, the Gospels differ slightly in what the apostles were to wear and take with them, but that's not important. See, what's important is that Jesus is telling them to travel lightly. Take only what you have and trust me with the rest. This is ministry. In fact, I find myself never completely ready to do what I'm asked to do. I don't know if that's you, that's me. Like if somebody asked me to do it, I never find myself to be ready to do what I'm asked to do. I have every reason to believe that I don't know enough yet, I don't have enough yet, I'm not old enough yet, and so I'll I'll let you know when I'm ready, and that's usually never. That's just me. I don't know if that's you. And so Jesus is saying, trust me because you can do nothing apart from me anyway, right? So the gospel was never meant to end with us. It, It was meant to be told and passed down to the next person. If you just studied Psalms 139, it says this, that he shaped you and formed you. He did that. He shaped you and formed you. It says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Like it says that he's seen your unformed substance. This means he's uniquely made you to be you. There is no other you. There is no other version of you. And then what he did was give you gifts. He gave you gifts so you can be a part of advancing his kingdom. None of us were made to not be a part of the game. You and I were made to be used by God. And we trust him to do what he's been doing through us since day one. Verse 10 says this, And he said to them, Wherever you enter a house, 
stay there until you leave town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off your soles of your feet for a testimony against them. They went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. And so here we have the 12 disciples, power and authority given to them by Jesus to heal the sick, to cast out demons, proclaim the good news of the gospel. Now he says, wherever you go, do the work that I've called you to do, whether people receive it or not. Right? And so the saying of shaking the dust off your souls it is the same saying as my hands are clean, I've done all that I can. Right? So that's kind of what the saying is. My hands are clean, I've done all that I can. So you and I, is what he's saying, are only responsible for our obedience to God, not for the results. God gives the increase, we just hear the water and plant. And so our mission is to continue preaching the gospel. We don't save anyone, Jesus saves them. We don't change anyone, Jesus changes them. And so we might not always see healings today or too much casting out of demons, but it's around. But the most important part of this journey was they, go, was they got to go out, these disciples, and represent the one who sent them. You see, Jesus gave them power and authority to do what he did. And ultimately, what people seen was not only the casting out of demons or the healing of the sick, but the 12 looked exactly like their master. Your life and my life is the ultimate representation of the gospel. I call this silent preaching. More than what we say, and we're quick to forgive, quick to love, quick to reconcile, quick to give to others because that's what Jesus has done for us. And it's not always perfect, but a work in progress. And that's where we're at. Um, if I can tell you just two things tonight, you've probably heard this before. Two points. If you remembered anything, this is all I need you to remember. Stay close to Jesus and preach the gospel. I don't have that. I was just trying to exegetically break this apart. The point I have is stay close to Jesus and preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, that you desire um, intimacy with us, that, that you desire to know us despite us knowing who we are. And that's grace, and that's mercy, and you love us, Lord, and, and you constantly, continuously work with us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would give ourselves over to you. God, if we've come in here, Lord, uh, to be um, encouraged or, or, or anything in that way, God, most importantly, I pray that everyone here would have a personal meeting with you. I don't know how that's going to look or what that's going to look like, Lord, but I, I pray that you would reveal yourself to every single person here in a very unique and very powerful and a very real way.
And so, Lord, we love you and we praise you, Lord. And I pray that you would continue to stir up our affections in a new way. That we would come in here ready to learn with an excitement. An excitement for your word and a deeper love for you and your kingdom. Father, I pray you bless every man, women, and children here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.